0: Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. We're following our the book of of James, and it's been so encouraging for me to hear people say, you know what, I've read this book over and over and over, and it's meant so much to me. And uh, I can really say that, that if I if we really had to preach verse by verse. We will probably be here for a couple of years looking through this book because there's so much that we just had to skip and and so on. So we didn't preach verse by verse, but sort of more concept by concept in a sense uh, out of this book. And, um, you know, I've made up my mind many years ago, many, many years ago, even as a young believer, that I'll never go to church with an attitude that I may not receive anything or go home with a thought that I did not receive anything. So I go to every service I have ever been to in my life and say, whoever preaches and, 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 and so on, that I will take something and say, God, what are you saying to me? What can I take home to apply as well? But it's been good for me to hear uh, how many have just said that's really benefited them. So I think we've got maybe uh, four or five more Sundays to preach on this book before we uh, hit Christmas and then we'll go on to something new. I think we'll um, preach through the book of Psalm 119. Sounds like a good idea. That could keep us here for a few years. Eh? All right. So um, there's a common thread that goes through this book and I've mentioned it a couple of times. There's a couple of ideas that continuously just bounce out at us speak to us all the time but the idea I think if you want something to hang this whole book on and all your thoughts about this book if you want to hang it on on something on a line or a phrase or maybe two two words is probably real faith what real faith is uh, and, and this thing is qu- constantly challenged as we read this book about what is real faith? What is faith that actually pleases God? What is faith that is really meaningful? Uh, what is it like? And, and James chapter 2, it says we must be doers of the word, not only hearers of the word, and so on. And constantly we're coming back to real faith, living it, not just believing it, but living it and demonstrating that as well. Uh, so that common thread goes through, and it will come through today maybe as well, is that real faith is what we are looking for what God is looking for on us. A couple of weeks ago, I gave you a quote by Warren Versba, and I'll give it to you again. People with dead faith substitute words for deeds. They know, that the, they know the correct vocabulary for prayer and testimony. You can even quote the right verses from the Bible, but their walk does not measure up with their talk. They think that their words are as good as works, and they are wrong. In other words, what he's saying to you is exactly what James tells us, that you can say you believe, you can confess what you believe, but unless your works actually demonstrate your faith is dead. And that's been a challenge for me through this book as well, is to constantly ask myself, is my faith real, alive, or is it what James says, maybe dead faith, meaningless faith? So let's go to James chapter 4, and I'm glad you brought your Bible with today, whether it's on your iPhone, iPad, or uh, in paper form, Uh, and uh, I want to encourage you to bring it with. And we're also going to go to... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, so you can look at that. That's one of the first five books of the Bible. Uh, Burton, just in case you don't know where that is, uh, it's there. So just put your finger there, and we're going to come back to James a number of times. Okay, so let's go to James chapter 4. That's where we are today. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17 says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, and carry on business and make money. Why? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and do not do it, it is sin for them. Again, there's so much in this passage and I'm gonna unpack some of it to you this morning. But initially, maybe your thought was like mine where our thoughts "So James or God, what if you got against forward planning? What have you got against planning for next year? Because it seems like that is almost a warning against it. Now, I know that the Word of God encourages hard work. I know that the Word of God encourages honest initiative. I know that the Word of God encourages us to save and even store up. And all of that stuff is not condemned. So what then is the issue here? You see, in some of your translations, it starts by saying, you say. And in my translation, it says, now listen. You who say, you say, what are you saying? You see, the issue here with James and with the Word of God is not what is said, but with an attitude that is behind what is being said. And that's what I will share with you and unpack for you today. James chapter 16 says, there, uh, uh, 4 verse 16 says, there is an attitude problem with all of this forward planning. There is an issue here that needs to be dealt with, an attitude probably of pride. You see, the words, or the words were an, an, an outward sign of an inward arrogance. We will go and plant and plan and make money and go there and do this kind of thing. Necess- there's not necessarily much wrong with that, but James warns again an ad- against an attitude of arrogance. They strutted around with their plans and, and made their plans known to one another and, and proclaimed what the, the achievements for, of tomorrow and so on and, and, and their business initiatives. And all of that is not that bad. So obviously, the attitude behind that, they had no thought that they could fail. They had not, I, no idea that they could maybe come unstuck. It never entered their mind that their schemes might not even work. And there's a bit of that arrogance today in uh, some of us, when it comes to the faith that we have been taught, it's confess it, believe it, just do it, you're on top, you're not, and, and you, all you are, you are, you are, you are all kinds of stuff. That's very good in it, but there's a warning sign there as well. You see, they believed that nothing can come between them and their selfish schemes. And this is what James is addressing in this chapter. And the first thing, there's, there's three warnings I want to bring out to you today. Three warnings. And, and, and the first thing is a, is a very strong warning is not to plan like we are invincible, indestructible, or irreplaceable. Not, don't plan like... It's all about you. Don't plan that, that you are never, your life is never gonna end. Don't plan like you are indestructible or irreplaceable. You see, and, and again, let me say it. I'll say it a few times in this first point. It is not the planning that's the issue, but it's the, the, the thought here in the middle of this planning that I am the center, that my needs are important, that it's about me and mine. And, and, and a couple of times in this passage, we will. We will do this. I will do this. And it seems like that's James's problem, God's problem with attitude like this. In verse 13 it says, Listen, those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow we'll go to another city and spend time and go into business and make heaps of profit. And in verse 16 it says, But here you are boasting in your ignorance, for to be presumptuous about you will do tomorrow is evil. Now again, let me highlight, as there was a good business plan in my view, you know, what, what, what James obviously saw in some of the people, maybe people who are in business, and he said, you know, it's, it's great, you have a plan, and the plan was today or tomorrow. They knew exactly where they're going to execute this plan, we'll go to another city, they, they knew their time frames of their goals. It's, we're gonna spend a year there and, make, uh, and, and go into the city in, in a year. They had a business plan. Is they're gonna carry out business. In other words, they probably, if you have a pep store, you're gonna start another pep store there or whatever your business plan was. And the last thing about their plan is they had a goal in mind. We're gonna make heaps of money, lots of profit. And James says there's an attitude behind this that is self-centered, egotistical, boasting about plans and ideas of the future like we are the center of it all. And believer, we gotta be very careful not to live like you and I in our plans are the center of our plans. And I'll come back to that point in a moment. And you know, we are warned in Deuteronomy about a very similar kind of thing. Go with them, uh, to that passage with me quickly. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 10 to 18 um, a, a similar kind of attitude here is the first verse is great. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Okay, so here he says, fantastic. Thank God for the success that you have. Thank God for the ability that you've had to create wealth and, 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 and settle down and build some houses and stuff like it. Nothing wrong with that. To have the successes." Then he goes on, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Because that is what often happens in all of this greatness and the successes and the achievements in life. It is easy for us to put God on the back burner and to forget Him. And he says, failing to observe His commands for His laws and His degrees I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build houses and settle down, When your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increases as you've multiplied. Good stuff. That's all from the Lord. He says, but if you do not keep God in mind, he says you, your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through. Can you, can, can you underline if you've got a pen there how many times says what he did, what God did, what God did? Listen to this. He says, he led you through the vast and dreadful. He led you, first of all, out of um, Egypt. He led you, verse 15, through the vast and dreadful v- uh, uh, wilderness, the thirsty and waterless land with its venom and snakes. He brought your, your water back out of hard rock. He gave you man to eat to humble and then you have the audacity in verse 17 to say my power and my strength the strength of my hands have produced this wealth so that's what James is warning us again in the new testament exactly what the writer here says as well and he says in verse 18 but remember The Lord your God, who gives you the ability to create wealth and produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant. Again, in Deuteronomy and in James, now, it is not the plan. It is not the success that is the problem. It is the ability to so quickly put God out of the picture and say, it is me. Egotistically, it is I. It is my success. It is my stuff. It is I who provide it. I have had a person say to me in the past, and I've had a number of people who said that to me, especially unbelievers, but also believers. Why, somebody once said to me, why should I pray and give thanks for the food if I have worked so hard to buy it? And I go, "Aina, I hope God doesn't hear that one, but I'm sure he has already before he even said it. You know, so James is warning us and he says, and I'll I'll, I'll explain this verse to you, do not brag in your achievements and your accomplishments. The particular Greek word used here is quite significant. In the Greek, if you read verse uh, 16, it says here, do not boast in your bragging. Now, first of all, if I had to ask you what does it mean, you may like me say, what does that mean? Do not boast in your bragging. You first got to understand what the word bragging is before you can understand what the Greek actually means because that's what that, that verse is saying to us. The word brag means to be loud mouthed and arrogant in false assumptions. So James is saying to us, do not be loud mouthed and arrogant in your false assumption that you are the one that has achieved it without God. That's what he's warning us. The amplified version says it so nicely. He says in verse 16, but as it is, you boast vainly in your pretension and arrogance. All such boasting is evil. That's the first lesson here, my dear friend, is don't, don't be caught thinking that you are the center of all of this. Your successes, your accomplishments is all about you. The second thing that comes through very strongly as a warning here is that don't live life, this life, like God does not exist. Now, you know what? You're saying to me, Roloff, you're speaking to believers here. Now, I'm telling you, believer, that in my own experience, and I'm sure that some of you would agree with me, it is easy to live life like God does not exist. And if you accomplish stuff, and if you're busy with stuff, and if you're working hard, and you're doing out there, and you're getting out there, and, and so on, it is very easy to, to two, three days not give God a thought. So even as as a believer, James is saying to us, he says, listen, in verse 14, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It's not nice to be told that your life is just like a vapor. I'm not saying life is meaningless or your life is meaningless, but let me tell you, life is just like a vapor, those of you who are sort of like over a specific age and you can determine what that age is, otherwise you may think that I think you are old, as you will understand that the only God is for eternity and from eternity. This life is going as quick, as quick, and sometimes quicker the older you get. It is like a vapor. It is disappearing like mist. And, and the, the idea about vapor, here is, is you've driven through mist and sometimes suddenly the mist is just gone. Or have you watched at your cup of coffee and you see the steam coming out. Have you ever tried to follow that steam for more than 10 seconds? It disappears. It just poof, and the steam is gone. And he says, that's how your life is. Now, that's not a very encouraging note to go on as a second point this morning and say, you just like poof. That's what your life is all about. You know, it is, it is just gonna be gone like that so quickly. It is more of a discouraging thing than an encouraging thing. Now, if you, if you go to Psalm 90, and don't go there. I'm going to give you the verses which was written by Moses. Yeah, I did say Moses, not David. Some not all the psalms were written by David. This psalm was written by Moses. And, and listen to what Moses says. He says this as for the days of our lives, uh, they, they contain 70 years, or maybe due to strength, 18 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it's gone, and we fly away, we disappear like mist. You know, Moses is saying, this life is just so brief, and it comes with labor. It comes with sorrow. It is, comes with sad stuff. It is like the grass that grows, and it becomes green, and tonight the sun is, has has just scorched it. That's what this life sometimes is about. Let me tell you, even if you are a 100 years, and I don't know if anybody has made that or close to that. There's some of you that could be close to it, but even if it is 100 years, wouldn't you agree with me that it has gone just like that? You're not with me this morning. I see you looking, what is he trying to get out? You know what, somebody once said, your life is a little bit like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the quicker it goes. <laughs> now I'm gonna leave it there, and I'm gonna ask you to park that thought now. <laughs> you know, but but there's a bit of truth in here. okay. Now I'm gonna give you this 10 seconds to think about what it actually means. All right, it's over. Let's move on. It's true. Life is like a vapor. Poof, and it's just gone. In Psalm 90 verse 12, Moses says the same thing and he says, so teach us to number our days. In other words, teach us to carefully live our days. Teach us to plan carefully. Keep, t- help us to, to, to live every day to its maximum planned and not just Like this, life is about nothing. And then he says, that we may present you a heart of wisdom. What is a heart of wisdom? What is a heart of wisdom? So that I may present, Lord, may my days be well planned and well ordered. May I live to its, potential, to its full potential. May I not be lazy today. So that I can present to you a heart of wisdom. What is? And it could mean a lot, but here's some of the things that it, it may well mean. A heart of wisdom is a person who has come to understand that life is and should be lived in a God conscious way. A life that is worth living is a life that is moved from self-centeredness to kingdom-centeredness with God as the center. That is a life of wisdom. And that's what Solomon, that's what Moses is saying to us as well, is that live a life so that one day I can present to you. Sorry, that was Psalm 90 verse 12, so that I can present you a heart of wisdom, that I've lived well, but I've lived with you as the center That I've moved my ideas away from self-centeredness to kingdom center. And how many of us really live like that? How many of us have moved and constantly move away from the self-centeredness, me, mine, and I all the time? You know, Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevail." Oh, it's a lucky place. It's the best place to, to, to reach in your life when you know you can plan and you should. You can work hard and you should. You should plan for the future and you should plan for all of this stuff. But in the end, you just say, Lord, your will be done. You know, I had a friend. We still have that friend and we don't mix so much because we're not living in the same town. But every time I would say, are you coming to visit us? And he would every time say, if the Lord so wills. First, I, I thought, okay, you know, that sounds like a cliche, but he really meant it. I'm planning to, if the Lord so wills. And I think that's a good place to be. I'm striving. I'm hard, working hard, but if, so, if the Lord so wills. You see, the lesson here is, my dear friend, God must be the center. Not me. God must be the center. The Bible is very simple. It's very straightforward. It's very powerful. So the first lesson is, you're not indestructible. You're not irreplaceable. And let, let me tell you something as well that I know you've heard so many times. So many times I've heard this thing people saying, preach from the pulpit and say, you create your own destiny. Rubbish. Rubbish. You don't create your own destiny. God creates your destiny. All you got to follow is, all you got to do is follow in the plans that God has for your destiny. That's a safe place to be. That's a safe place to be, my friend. So stop saying, I create. In other words, you will be exactly like James's warning. So is it all about you and your plans? Or is it about God? You have a destiny for me, and I will live it, and I will be obedient, and I will listen to you, and I will do it so that in the end, I will follow the plans you have for my life. I think it's like a of place to be. So here's the third warning. First one, don't live like you're the center. Second one is live like God does exist. And the third one here from James is don't live like people don't exist. Other people and their needs don't exist. That's what James is saying to us here in verse 17, my friend. He says, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is sin for them. If anyone knows the good they ought to do, in James chapter 2, the good deeds. In another chapter in the Bible, the good deeds that God has predestined for every one of us. If we know, but we don't do that, it is sin for us. This is quite a challenge, my friend. This is quite a challenge for each one of us. You see, when we fail to do something positive or demonstrate the love of God to our neighbor, we, James says we are committing sin ignoring the poor and the needy is a very serious thing in the eyes of Jesus very serious thing in the eyes of Jesus let's turn quickly to Matthew chapter 25 and I'll show you how serious it is and I'm I'm just going to give you a paraphrase of that that passage there and you can go and read it at home you see here's judgment day and, and in verse 31, it says, but the, but the Son of Man comes in His glory and majesty and all the angels with Him, and then He'll sit on the throne and His glory. And all the nations will be gathered before Him in judgment. And He will separate them one from the other, the sheep and the goat. And He will put the sheep on His right hand and, and, and a place of honor and the goat on His left hand, a place of rejection. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of this world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you invited me in. I was in prison. You came to. And then the writer says, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Now, stop. Let's stop. Let's stop right there. Listen, Go, go read it if you want to again. We know that faith is important, that believing in Jesus Christ is the bottom line for salvation. We know that. So let's not put that out of, let's keep the scripture in balance and in, and, in, and in context here. We know that without faith, without believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you won't be saved. But you know when Jesus stands in Judgment Day here, and please do not say, "Rulof says you don't have to believe in Jesus to be saved. But you know what Jesus goes to? Not, oh, so you believed in me, you saved, you didn't believe in me, you are rejected. You're going to, hell. What he says is this. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Can you hear what Jesus is saying on judgment day? And then the, the believer saying, but, but Lord, I mean, I, we live 2,000 years after you come. That's what I will say to him. How on ever did I feed you and clothe you and visit you in prison? And, and so that's That's impossible. And then he says, and and I'm paraphrasing this chapter, and he says, if you did it to one of these, you did it unto me. Now, can you hear what Jesus is saying, how important works are, even on the day of judgment? And that's why James is saying, I will show you my faith by what I do. For many of us, it's become what I believe. What I believe is extremely important because we can believe a lot of junk. And there's enough junk food on the Christian market that can make you very, very unhealthy. But now on judgment day, Jesus says, sheep and the goat. Oh, you you did not do this stuff? You You did, you accepted, entered. That for me is a very serious thing. That for me is like a sobering thought about the deeds that God has got preordained for me. You see, God has commanded us to do. Not just to believe, but to do. And the whole book of James is telling us again and again, do, do, do. Prove your faith by doing. Prove your faith by doing. You see, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we violate that command, we actually hate our neighbor. And that's, that's okay with us. We, we say, no, no, I, I love my neighbor. But you see, we also violate that command when we Ignore our neighbor and live selfishly. That's what Jesus tells us when it's all about me. My dear friend, this is a tough one. And this is where believers don't want to hear God from time to time. I, I share with you often my experiences in, in the challenge God has given to me for years and years and years of my life is to be a, 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 a giving person. I uh, took Bryce out for breakfast on Friday and we were sitting there and after breakfast, the waiter comes, a very nice-looking guy, and speaks nicely to us, and speaks English very well. And I actually want to go back there and see if I can't do more for him. But I gave him a tip that was a very generous tip. And he looked at me and said, sure. He said, thank you so much, sir. You're really, really you're generous. I said, no, that, you know where it comes from? It comes from the heart of Christ. Jesus just loves you. You see, generosity opens an opportunity to share. That's a, you know Now they can't say, I don't want to listen to you. Say, so, no, 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 then give me my money back. No, no, I won't do that, but hang on. Okay, so, uh, so and, then, and then you know what? I, we get on with our chat and we walk out and this boy, young man, not boy, this young man, I, I just walk past him and all I hear is how he tells his friend how generous this old white guy was to him today. And I think, you know what? This is what God wants us to do all day long. Every day of our life. You say, I don't have, I don't have a lot of money to give. Ah, oh, man, there's a lot of ways to demonstrate love. There's a lot of ways to demonstrate love. It doesn't have to come out of your wallet all the time, but some of us can. John Wesley says this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, and as long as you ever can. You can, can, can. Right? The final judgment, my friend, and here's the tough stuff from James. And I'm just giving you what the book says to us. The final judgment Jesus will condemn those who did not look after the poor and the needy. Their sin was not that they abused the poor, their sin was that they ignored their needs. That's this problem here. And they just pursued their own goals and their own pleasures. And that's how many. And most of us, maybe, maybe here. Hope not, but maybe here today as li- live as well. My needs, and my goals, and my investments, and my pension, and mine, and mine. And you know what? That's a sad place to be in our lives. So I'm going to challenge you again to listen to these three warnings from the Book of James, from the Word of God. Don't plan like you're invincible, indestructible, or irreplaceable. Like you create your own destiny don't leave God out like he doesn't exist. And thirdly, don't leave people out like they don't exist. I put it in red there because it's warnings to us from the word of God today. And I wanna end with a, a quote that I gave you a while ago as well. Faith without obedience, sacrifice and deeds is foolish, empty and useless and does not save. Faith without obedience, sacrifice and deeds fully is empty and useless and does not, if, if, as if it's only faith it's its own, and there's no deeds, there's no activeness, there's no, it's just empty. It's useless. May God help us to live the way he wants us to live as believers, to demonstrate the generosity of God And to also show that in all my planning, God is number one. I'm not the center.